There's a mission, a special mission. Let's just have a word of prayer before we get started. Father, we do just want to say thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Lord, you are the reason that we're here tonight, Lord. Lord, that we want to we want to get to know you more. We want to get to know you word more, Lord. We want to become more like you. We want to listen to what you want to challenge us with, Lord, what you want to say to us. And so we just pray once more as we just we just set this time apart and just focusing, Lord, on you. Listening attentively, Lord, to what you want to say. Holy Spirit, speak to us tonight, pray. Speak into our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, good, 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 good. Let's open our Bibles in Romans chapter 12. We're slowly making our way through, aren't we? Yeah. I think we started this at the beginning of the year, Romans. Yes, yes, it's morning. It's good, though. I was like, boy, I Romans chapter 12, we'll start, we'll just read the first, first two verses, the first two verses. <coughs> I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. Good, good, good. So, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. By the mercies of God. That's what it's in the plural in the original. And uh, what are these mercies? What do you think these mercies are that he's referring to? Any ideas? Think about what we've studied over the months, the last few months. What are the mercies that Paul's referring to? Benefits we receive as Christians, absolutely. What kind of benefits are those then? Think about the whole, the whole of the, the, the letter. Salvation. The what? Salvation. Okay. Not getting what we deserve. Not get so. Not getting what we deserve. Yes, because he, he wrote about that in the beginning, didn't he? In the first chapter. Justification by faith. Yes, it's all by grace and through faith and not by the works or the deeds of the law. Yeah. The new life in Christ, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. You're walking not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. All these are the mercies of God that he's referring to. And then, when we get to Romans 9 through to 11, he starts to talk about Israel, doesn't he? started to talk about God's plan for Israel in spite of their, their clear failure. And uh, again he's addressing an issue that was going on within the church between Jews and Gentiles, Christians, and he's going to go on to address that even further, practically in the following chapters. But 
He sees all these things as the mercies of God. And as he's just thinking about the last few verses, let's just have a look at the last few verses of Romans 11 again. And I'll read from verse 28. It says, Concerning the gospel, their enemies for your sake, the Jews, right? But concerning the election, they're beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are ir irrevocable. For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience, even so these also have now been disobedient, that through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy. That's the mercies he's talking about. Yeah? For God has committed them all to disobedience, that he might have mercy on all. The key word being? Mercy. Mercy, mercy. yeah. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has become his counsellor? Or who has first given to him, and it shall be repaid to him? For of him, and through him, and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. So as Paul's just reflecting on all of God's mercy, in spite of all of our failures, whether we be Gentiles or Jews. You know, this is what he's talking about in the opening verses of chapter 12. So I, I, I beseech you, I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. So, which leads us to first. Hopefully it will work. We won't. <laughs> Why will it not work? Let's try again. There you go. Hmm. There you go. Okay. Was that you or me? Okay. It's me. Brilliant. Okay, so the first thing he's going to talk about is total transformation. Total transformation. Because of God's great mercies, Paul encourages the believers to dedicate themselves to his faithful service. In other words, how do we respond? How do we respond? All of this theology that has been unpacking, right from chapter 1, I mean, we've gone deep in this, we've gone into some stuff. You know, remember, even Peter found Paul hard to understand sometimes. You know that. And we've kind of dealt with some right stuff. But it's, 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 it's all good stuff. But he's saying, and what we're going to see now from chapter 12 onwards, we're getting into the practical applications of it. Because it's no good having a head full of knowledge who doesn't produce anything in the way that we live. That's the whole point. So he's saying, like, you know, because of all these wonderful things that I've just spoken to you about, what is the response? How can we respond to such wonderful mercy, the mercies of God? He says that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is, is your reasonable service. Okay. And again, when we think about bodies, we just think about the body, don't we? And I was saying that today I've got my Sunday body on. I was going to Les earlier. Les all got some weight on. It's only happens on a Sunday. <laughs> During the week, I go to the, go to the gym and I come back and I look at myself in the mirror and I look like slim and I feel as I'm making progress. 
And then when I look at the, the play, when that, that's playing back after it's recorded, because it's not going to record tonight because I'm just not recording it, but okay. Yeah. You are? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Take it all back. I can see I've got a completely different body on a Sunday night. <laughs> I don't know what's coming on. Every Sunday. Yeah, one today. It's a big screw around the corner. Anyway. He doesn't stop there, folks. When he talks about bodies here, when he's referring to the original word, the original Greek word, soma, to be offered as a living sacrifice, he refers to the whole person. To the whole person's mind, will, emotions, physical faculties. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. Let's open our Bibles. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Verse 23, the first one to do is and shout it out.
So it refers to the whole person, mind, will, emotions, physical faculties. This, Paul says, to say, holy accept, oh, okay, that you present your bodies, holy, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. The other thing about being a living, have you thought about that? A living sacrifice. How on earth does that work? A living sacrifice. You see, with sacrifices in the Old Testament, they didn't have any, any, any uh, decision in the matter, did they? They had to be, they were taken up, you know, they were sacrificed on the altar, wherever. I'm sure if they had a decision, an option, they'd soon be jumping off the altar. Yeah. But at the end of the day, what he's saying is that we've got to choose to present ourselves as living sacrifices. This is about worship, isn't it? When, when Jesus came to the Samaritan, you know the story so well. And she, she brings up an old argument that existed between the Jews and the Samaritans, you know. Oh, you know, so tell us. Where's the right place to worship? Is it on this mountain or is it in Jerusalem? Because you're not saying it's in Jerusalem, but you know, we, we worship on Mount Mary's again. And Jesus said, I'll tell you the truth. The hour is now come when the true worshippers will not worship the Father on this mountain or on that mountain or any other mountain for, for that business, you know, for that. Forget the words here. Um, but the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in in spirit and in truth. In other words, it can't be restricted to a time and a place. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship's a lifestyle. And when you're at work and you're living as a living sacrifice, that's an act of worship. The attitudes that we adopt, right? The, 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 the thinking, the, the speech, everything. It's all an act of worship. He says, this is, which is your reasonable service. Your reasonable service. That's interesting. Reasonable service or reasonable worship means that we worship the Lord with our God-given intelligence. And he talks about reason. That's what it means. Okay? The word means that. Reasonable. That you're using your mind, you're engaging your mind in your worship, in God-given intelligence. So, Philo of Alexandria, who was Jewish, he says this, that which is precious to God is not the number of victims immolated, which is sacrificed, but the true purity of a rational spirit in him who makes the sacrifice. So he's talking about the, the motives of the one who would present the sacrifice. It's not the sacrifice. Do you remember when, G, when the, in, in Isaiah chapter 1, for example, I think it is, and God really reprimands his people. And he's not fed up here, basically. I'm fed up here in your festivals. I'm fed up your sacrifices and all these things. You bring them up, you just go through the motions, basically, paraphrased. You go through the motions. Right? I, I don't want that. I want you to treat, treat people with justice. I want you to look after the poor and the oppressed. You know, the widow and so on. You, you, you kind of forget these things. You're just going through the motions. And that can happen so easily. You can't. It's even in church life. We just go through the motions. But we've got to engage our mind. 
We need to think about what we do. We need to think about our, our, our motives and our attitudes. Because God is weighing them. He's weighing them. Amen. So, the question is, how do we worship in this way? In this reasonable way? And then he goes on to say, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Alright, so, if you were a computer programmer, basically you would say we need to reprogram the computer. Because the computer works in a certain way, has worked in that specific way for such a long time, but now something needs to change and that new program needs to come into that computer. We've picked up certain attitudes, we've been out of the world, we've developed attitudes, ways of thinking, patterns of thinking and behaviour that are contrary to the will of God, they're contrary to the values of God's kingdom. So we say now. This new worship, this, this reasonable uh, service that I'm talking about, by engaging your mind, it means that we need to avoid the pattern of thinking and behaving that is characteristic of this world. Okay? So, so for example, in the past, you used to go out, or let me talk about me for a moment. You know, my, my weekends, was about going to a football match. That's what they existed for. That was my religion. All that to wondrous football club. As you know. Still the greatest team on the earth, but I'm minus. Anyway, but that was my weekend. I, I lived for that. I identified with that. You know, I'd wear my wool shirts during the week and everything. So that's what I wanted everybody to understand this is me. This is I'm wolves, you know, this is this is what I exist for. Nothing wrong with wool shirts by the way. But you know, it was an idea in my life. And then I, I couldn't wait for Saturday to come, and then Saturday I'd be out. Couldn't wait for the pub to open up, and a mate who got his own pub, running a pub, so he's getting early. So I couldn't wait to start drinking, even though I didn't like the taste of it. I just liked the, the effect. Couldn't, you know, and then, and then it was a catch of culture, and it was over to all friends, and then we go on, you know, first pub we were all in. And by the end, by about, well, sometimes I'd arrive in the, in the, uh, in the ground late. Can't remember half the matches that I went to watch, I paid to watch. You know, I'd come out, get a little, get, go to a pub, wait for the, the coach, jump on the coach, come back, back into the pub, and that was my weekends. Do you know what I mean? That's what it was all about. And then, if there was any energy left within me, I would, we'd be out to nightclubs and everything else, and you can imagine the state of me. You know, I'm sorry, you know what I'm talking about. But that, that was my pattern. Of thinking. That's the way I, I, I thought, that's what life was about. Each one of you have your own patterns of thinking, you know, the way that we do things because everyone does them. Because that's what you do in the world, don't you? Do you know what I'm saying? And, 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 and suddenly, I meet Jesus, and don't get me wrong, it took some time. It took us, there was a, like a transition period, if you want, and the Lord started to really work on my heart. And interestingly, you know, people say, no, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't, but suddenly, things started, I didn't feel that. 
I'll be going in the pub on a Saturday night, still be coming to sort of talk confession now, Denise, you know, know what I see. So I'll be coming, coming in the pub on a, on a Saturday night and have a drink and stuff and listening to the conversations. I don't feel right about it. I've come to church on a Sunday morning, I feel right, hypocrite. And that went on for about six months, more or less. You know, but God was really starting to challenge, challenge me. And then things really started to change. Oh, it, Fred took me to a, a youth camp and I was somebody preached a message there on it. I don't know who it was, we could preach one, I'll never forget what he was saying. And challenging the way that I was living. You know, and I, it just everything kind of fell into place and I realised oh, I can't go on living like this. I need to renew I need a change. And, and, and like I said, when when the Lord challenged me about even the music I was listening to, I think I've told you this before. I was listening to certain music, Oasis, you have heard of Oasis? So I was big into Oasis. And some of their, their attitudes, you know, they were influencing me, even the way they've spoken or walked, and I didn't care about anything or anybody, you know. But yeah, the necklace is all. Right, Lynette? Right? But some of the, the music, when I listen to it, not when I listen to it today, when I look at the lyrics today, that I was listening to then, goodness me. Do you know what I mean? And so the Lord challenged me on that, you've got to stop listening and throw it out. And it's only when you get to that point where the Lord challenges you with these things that you realise how much you've got hold on you. Because it was hard to throw the things out. But this is, the, this is what I'm, I'm talking about. To avoid the pattern of thinking and behaving that's characteristic of the world, we need a reprogramming. A reprogramming in the mind. And we need our mind to align with the values of the world to come. When we start to understand and we read the scriptures, and it's almost like the Lord says, listen, everything you know in this world, it's got a, there's a limit on it. There's a time limit. Judgment is coming. Judgment's coming. And so now, I'm giving you the opportunity to step out of this, this condemned world and step into my new creation and the plans that I have for the world to come. And I want to prepare you now for that world to come. But you've got to step, you've got to leave that old world behind because it's condemned. Judgment is coming upon it. And we don't want to talk about that. Just have a read the book of Revelation. You can see he's saying, I'm warning you now. Come out, my people, come out. Come out from amongst them. You know, you're my people. Amen. And so we align with the values of the world to come. Remembering that the kingdom has broken in already. The kingdom of God is in our midst. It's here. And yet not fully in. Yes. Not fully. But the day is coming. When the king will come back. To consummate the kingdom of the earth. Hallelujah. It'll be a reality. Right here. It'll be a reality to all of us. And so work starts on the inside of us now. Everything that he's doing with you now. It's not just that you become holy and different. It's that he's preparing you for the world to come. To inherit his world. The world to come. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hmm. Good stuff. Alright. So. How do we learn the values of the new world? Well. 
talks about the renewal of the mind. The mind is fallen and has been created by sin. In fact, every part of us has been corrupted by sin. When we come to Christ, our thinking patterns still tend to be as they were. Thus, the mind needs to be renewed. <coughs> and you can sometimes, you know, you can see this, like I've just given you an example of my own life. Somebody comes to Christ, there's a genuine transformation. There's a, a person becomes born again. But it still takes time, sometimes, you know, for that sanctification to really start kicking. And so you might see some of the attitudes, some of the thinking, some of the words and so on that, that belong to the old order of things. Okay? But, but with that's where we need patience. Patience with one another. Patience with new, new, new believers. You know, as they walk the journey. Think about where you were and the mistakes you made at the beginning. You know, I made plenty, it's all new. But it's, it takes time. But I guarantee you, as you walk with Jesus, as you get into that word and you pray and you commune with the Lord regularly and you develop that relationship, you will try change. Your thinking will change. Your attitudes will change. Your desires will change. Your behaviour will change. Amen. You'll bear fruit that is he longs to do within us. Okay. Changing how we think will change how we live. We, we know where somebody's at, and again, we, we, we want to be careful because, like I said, there's a lot of immaturity within the body. We've got to be aware of that. We've all got our own things that we're working on as well. But we need to be careful we don't tear out the wheat with the tears. Do you know what I'm saying? Because tears of wheat, they can look alike as they grow in together, but there's a certain period where they're, they're separated. But there will be a change. There will be a change. One of the things I like to do at the end of the year is just have a look back and think about, I mean really think about, well, how, how has God changed me this year? How has He changed me in my attitudes, my thinking, my behaviours, my words? What, what's He done in this year? What's, what are the lessons that I've learned? What are the things I've been through and the lessons that I've learned? What's He doing in me? You know? So changing how we think will change how we live. Amen. Everybody all right? Good. So that's on a personal level. He then starts to talk about our place in the body of Christ. So he's saying with this renewed mind, and you've got this new way of thinking, you, you, your reasonable service to God, living life as a living sacrifice and all of this, but actually it's not just about your individual life. You're now part of something new. You're part of something new. So let's just read verse 3 to verse 8. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually, Members of one another. I said, body of Christ, you should have stood up. 
So we being many of one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us, uh, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. <clears throat> Amen. So, a couple of principles that it lays down first. We all have a role to play. And this is, this is what we need to, I think we're on the right track, but we need to rediscover within church. Because for many, many years, what church has been, it's been about, uh, you know, a, a, a minister, the minister being the one at the front, and, and ministering sacraments and so on, and the, 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 the laity would just sit down on the benches and listen. And that's it. And then, and then you go away, live your life, come back the following week, and sit down on the benches, and the minister will minister once more, you know, the priest, so to speak, will minister the sacraments again, for example, give a little talk or whatever, and the person goes away. But that's not New Testament Christianity. That's not the church. It's not the body of Christ. It's not what we're here for. We all have a role to play as a member of Christ's body. Now some, you're more in eminence, you may well have a role of the ministry of the word or whatever else. Or well, everything that we do, you can give, everybody's got a gift. Everybody has got something to contribute in the kingdom of God. Everybody. There's no unemployment in the kingdom of God. Nobody unemployed in the kingdom. And that's what's so beautiful about it. We all have a role to play as a member of Christ's body. Therefore, he says, we should not think more of ourselves than we should. Because we need one another. You need me, and I need you. You need what God has put within me, and I need what God has put within you, and the body needs us. Amen. Bless the Lord. Now you might think, well, wow, you know, I'm not doing much. It's not always about doing much. <coughs> Sometimes you might be just sharing, encouraging others through the words that you speak, you take them for a coffee or whatever else, and you're an encouraging person. Other person, other people are very, very, very generous in giving. Do you know, it's all part of our service. It's all part of serving the body, serving one another. Wonderful. Luke 22, verse 24. If somebody could read that for me. Luke 22, 24. In So just continue to verse 30, if you would. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, 
and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. But not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table, or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as the one who serves. But you are those who have, who have continued with me in my trials. And I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my Father bestowed one upon me, that you may eat and drink at my table <coughs> in my kingdom, and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Amen. A dispute, I believe a dispute broke out amongst the that was walking with Jesus. What was the dispute about? It was most important. We don't have to go too far to encounter those same disputes in the body today. If you think about it. And we're seeing days where, you know, Again, it's like a ladder. It's almost like a ladder of success. And, and, and you start down here, and I don't know, you might be a pastor or something, and then you've got to climb to the next rung of the ladder. You know, and you might be then, I don't know, an apostle or whatever. I don't know what's next, the archangel or whatever else it is. Do you know what I'm saying? And, 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 and it's, it's, it's like, I mean, I saw the other day, I saw something, and I, I couldn't believe I was watching. And there were three people who were being consecrated to be judges in the courtroom of heaven. With, with proper judges' robes. And they were being consecrated to be judges. I'm not going to say their names, you've probably come across them at some point. They were, they, were, they, were, they were being spoken on that, and, and, and they were going to be judges in the courtroom of heaven. And I thought, what? what? Where, where have we got to? Do you know what I mean? Where are we? And, and this, well, you'll see it. You'll come across it at some point. But then, and then Jesus comes along and says, you know, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you've got to be the, most, the least. You've got to be servant. You know, your heart. He was amongst us as a servant. He's the one that washed the feet of the disciples and so on. And then he just, he just, Makes it so clear, doesn't it? This is the attitude. We want you. This is what it's all about. It's a completely different kingdom. Yeah. Different values. It doesn't work how the world, how the world works. You get so much the world creeps in, doesn't it? And again, this is within the context of the body. We're all here with different functions. and different members with different functions and different gifts to, to be able to, to, to minister to one another. And, and you know, it's not about the, 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 the priest because now we see that there's a universal priest. The Bible says we're all priests. All of us are priests. You and me, we're all priests. Amen. Bless the Lord. Isn't that good news? Anyway. So we are to use our God-given gifts in service to the body. An interesting phrase here, in proportion and excess to our faith. Somebody else have anything written different there? In proportion, I think it's verse 6. In proportion to our faith. 
you got our faith there? Scrutiny. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 30 to 31, for example. OK? 
Okay, although we've got prophets, I absolutely believe in New Testament prophets today, we need to weigh what's being said. We're instructed to wait. Alright? Um, we're not they're, they're not speaking with the same authority as like the likes of Jeremiah or Isaiah or whoever. Okay? That's the point. Ministry. Again, we've got some unique ideas about ministry, haven't we? All it means in the Greek is service. Service. Ministry. Ministry to one another is serving. Perhaps the ministry of a deacon. A deacon again, servant. Administering the affairs of the church, visiting the sick, feeding the poor, etc. Teaching. Teaching and preaching sound doctrine. Exhorting or encouraging others to live out the Christian life. Again, you might be sitting there thinking, oh, I don't know which one I'm gifted. You, you, you can, you can, you can uh, use the gift of encouragement. Be an encourager, be, be someone who comes along others, alongside others and, and encouraging them. Let the Lord use you to build them. Yeah? Exhorting, encouraging them to live out Christian life. Giving, giving. Some are equipped with resources to give. You know, God blesses some people with, with great prosperity, financial wealth, absolutely. And the reason he does that is so they might serve others. It's kingdom resources, if you want, isn't it? <clears throat> so they're equipped with resources to give. If you're, if you're being blessed, it's good to give when you don't have much. Of course it is. But if you're in a position where you can be a blessing to others, then give. Give generously, be a blessing, make somebody else blessed. Yeah? Leading, leaders within the church community must do so with dedication and energetic effort. Wow, do with a bit of that. Nah. What's he saying here? Uh, you gives you liberality, you leads with diligence. Bible says here, with diligence. Um, Showing mercy. That's one. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Maybe looking after the sick, for example. Or the elderly. Whatever we do, we do it cheerfully. Good. Again, these are just ways that you can serve within the body of Christ. It's no use having your head full of knowledge of theology and doctrine if we're not, if that's not producing something in the way that we live. Okay. Finally. Let's read on from verse 9 to the end of the chapter. Let us love. Let love be without hypocrisy, sorry. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another. With brotherly love. In honour, giving preference to one another. Verse 11. Not lacking in diligence. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Giving to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible... As much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. 
Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to, the, to, to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen? Good stuff. It seems, to, it seems like he's got a, a shotgun here, isn't he? He's just like a shotgun off a brand of thoughts. You know, but I, I, don't, I don't think, I think there is a, an underlying theme, and I think the theme is love. What does love look, look like? Man, many manifestations of love. We need to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, but we need to love our neighbour as ourselves. Okay? Those are the two commandments, if you want, the, the, the whole of the law hinges upon those commandments, like summary. So the following are a set of seemingly random instructions, however the theme, yes, the theme appears to be sincere love and the need for a humble and peaceable attitude towards others. So he says, love without hypocrisy. Love without hypocrisy. Not merely outward, but from the heart. And again, the first thing to establish is love is a decision, more so than an emotion. Love is, is a verb. Sometimes we wait for the emotions to fall into line before we react. But he's saying, choose to love. We've got to choose to love. We've got to choose to manifest that love to one another. So that love is a matter of will. If we truly love, there are moral implications to it. Verse 19. Love exalts the well welfare of others over our own. Again, in the, in, when I was in the world, you know, I was number one. Number one. Everything revolved around me and what I wanted. And so now there's had to be a change. And again, I'm a, I'm a work in progress like you guys are as well. But there's had to be a change. I'm not the centre of the universe anymore. Everything doesn't have to revolve around me and what I want. We must exalt the welfare of others above our own. Alright, verse 7, very important, very important. Verse 11, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit. Fervent in spirit. And I've written here, keep the flame of the spirit for the things of God burning in your heart. And I think this is probably one of the, the most difficult things when you're under the cosh. When you're dealing with people. When things are not going well for you. It's hard to keep the flame burning in your heart. You might be dealing with, dealing with infirmity. You've dealt with it for a long time. You've got some kind of a situation that's robbing your peace. You know, there's so many ways and Chris spoke with us about it yesterday, that the enemy will come and use so many distractions, so many things to try and extinguish that flame upon the altar of your heart. And he also gave us the remedy for that, you know, and one of them was that we've got to keep in mind the cross. We've got to keep our eyes hearts fixed on Jesus, reminding ourselves constantly of why we're doing what we're doing. You know, not just not just what was he said? 
Julie Denise, who said, not just about the, the doing of the, the, the task, but the people. Do you understand? Not, not, you're not just like living for a ministry within the church or, or something that you do, but the people that you're doing it for. The, the, the motives. Keep the flame of the Spirit for the things of God burning in your heart. Always rejoice in the hope we have in Christ. Keep going when it gets tough and never stop praying no matter what. Don't give up. Keep going. Keep going. Perseverance. Tend to the needs of the poor members of the church family. Offer hospitality to those who need it. Hospitality was a big thing in the ancient world. As Christian preachers and so on, itinerant ministers, that they go around the ancient world, you know, that they look to local uh, congregations to put them up. Nowadays, we put people in hotels and stuff like that, but they've been relying upon those congregations. You know, there's a travel for days, sometimes weeks, to get to a Christian congregation, maybe out in Turkey, you know, or the Asia Line or whatever. Travel for days and when they get there, they're relying upon the Christian congregation to show them hospitality, to look after them. Also treat those outside the community of faith who are against you with nothing but love. <laughs> That's why I think love, I mean I know the Bible teaches love is a fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? It's a fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit needs to grow and be cultivated. Yeah? It's not something that comes naturally, but we've got to, we've got to work at it, allow the Holy Spirit to work, us, work it in us. Change our thinking, as we've said. Be concerned for one another. If your fellow believer is rejoicing, rejoice with them. It's always good to rejoice with them. If they're struggling, show them sympathy. So it's interesting if, you know, we have a room full on a Sunday morning of people, different people. But if you were to sit down with them, you know, we're all worshipping God and everything else. You sit down with these people individually and start talking to them about their lives and some of the stuff people go in through. Do you know what I mean? We, 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 need to, we need to be sympathetic towards them and some of the things they're going through. At the same time, being joyful with others, being rejoicing with others. Somebody might be graduating and you know, and you're joyful with them as another person's losing a dear member of the family or whatever. Coming to the end. Be careful that pride doesn't stop you from associating with humbly, humbler members of the church community. Don't make class, don't make class distinctions or any, any class distinctions, I should say. Again, I saw just recently there was an advert on a, on a Christian website, a ministry in London, and um, you, if you pay a certain amount of money for their training school, you will get priority seating at their church and, and, and you're looking and you're thinking, how does that line up with what we yeah. you know, with the teachings of, of the Lord Jesus? But it shows you where, where some, some are at. Avoid retaliation, oh my goodness, for wrongdoing against you. Repay evil against you with good. 1 Peter 2 verse 23, will you help me there? 1 Peter 2 verse 23.
There's that sense, and I'm not saying that's wrong. Do you know there's such things as a righteous sense of justice? But again, he says, leave, leave it to the Lord. Don't you exact vengeance upon those who wronged you. He did. But also he didn't revile when he was reviled, didn't he? Do you know what I'm saying? He didn't, he didn't, he didn't uh, uh, go to war with those who, 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 who treated him badly, you know, and wrongly. That's, that was his example. He trusted it all to the Father. He says here, again, early, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Sometimes he does it now. Sometimes I've seen it. Sometimes he does it now. Sometimes he doesn't do it. And you've got to learn to live with it. And not even trust it to You know? Again, we're looking towards a day when he will right all wrongs. If your enemy is hungry, no pressure will feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. Because that's exactly the opposite that we would naturally do. Get lost. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. In other words, his conscience will be seared. Oh man, I was listening to a testimony today about somebody was sharing, and you know, somebody upset somebody, that somebody. Try and follow this. That somebody was told by the Holy Spirit to go and pray for the other somebody. Do you know? And, and that somebody didn't want to pray for the other somebody, but the Holy Spirit said, You're going to go and pray for that other somebody, aren't you? And that somebody went to the other somebody and started to pray for that other somebody. And that other somebody was so touched. And said, thank you. Thank you. And, and, and there was reconciliation and everything brought about. But there was, before that, there was conflict and everything. Did you follow that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll give you the test. Right? Anyway. Praise God. And so, that is, send one of you. Keep your eyes open. Welcome. Bless the Lord. Don't have a coffee or something like that.